Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. That's right. This is the 30-something movie podcast. And uh, kind of, it kind of feels like a while since we've done this. Yeah. Kind of like, got to get back into the groove of things here. And, you know, it's, I mean, it feels like when we did the movie music one that has not yet come out yet. I'm looking forward to doing that next week. I'm excited. I hope it turns out well. That's going to be totally awesome. I kind of feel like it may be a recording that goes on for two weeks and will take five or six weeks for me to edit. Well, I, I, I hope you are a fast editor. Or I'm a procrastinator and I have not started to edit it yet. Well, you know, real life. And we'll, we'll, you can't edit what doesn't exist. Well, that's true. We haven't done it yet. So, um, But a better question is... When will then be now? Exactly. You got it. You are looking at now now. And the answer, as always, is soon. Did we... Wait, wait. We just missed it? When? Just now. Go back to then. In fact, you know, no, no, no. You know what? Skip this part. Never show this part again. I actually use that sometimes when I'm having when I'm having like a particularly bad day or week. I'm just like, you know what? Skip this day. Never show this day again. And you know what makes that scene art is the way that Rick Moranis takes the drink from his coffee and weirdly like looks around yes. with his eyes. The way he flicks his eyes is absolutely puts it over the moon funny. And and we're going to talk a little bit about this as we get into it, but he apparently he ad-libbed and, and just kind of like off the cuff did a lot of his stuff in the movie just it, it wasn't necessarily scripted which yeah. which apparently is not how mel brooks likes to do things apparently he likes to kind of refine the lines and the jokes as they go along and i guess from from the sctv stuff john candy and rick moranis just kind of said yeah you know what we uh, we got some good stuff we're just gonna try it on the fly here yeah cool and and i guess uh, mel, and mel brooks funny. wasn't a big fan of that but Jeff, he, he went with it it seems like over time mel brooks's theories on that might have lightened up a little. I feel like in the commentary, he was very complimentary of both of those guys for that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, think, absolutely. I think at the time he wasn't a fan of it, but I think when he saw how it all came together, then. All right. So if you haven't figured out by now, we are doing Spaceballs, the movie, um, as opposed to I don't this, know what else the Spaceballs there would be. Spaceballs, is this Spaceballs, the podcast? Yes. This is Spaceballs, the podcast. Merchandising. Yeah. The, Merchandising. The search for more, I, the search for more listeners. I just have to say that Spaceballs and Flamethrower is a really funny gag. <laughs> I thought that was cool. It's, and and what, does it, what does it say on the Flamethrower? Doesn't it say something like, a toy for kids? Yeah, the kids love this one. Yeah. So, yeah, so we are, this is Spaceballs, the podcast, the search for more listeners. Um, and so very, very quickly, we spoil the events of the movies we talk about, and we are going to quote the heck out of this one. So if you have not seen this, first of all, if you haven't seen this movie, I, again, as we say a lot of times, I don't know where you've been. 
I don't know what you've done with your life, um, but you immediately need to go check out the VHS now. Um, I'm excited to watch, uh, maybe tonight I will watch Spaceballs 2 because they've made the movie. I have the VHS tape before the movie has been made, so I'm going to go mm-hmm. watch it tonight. Um, yeah. But uh, we do spoil the events of the movies we talk about, so if you have not seen Spaceballs yet, immediately go out and get a copy of it and watch it and then come on back. Uh, and then after Speaking you've done Speaking of that, people who yeah. haven't seen Spaceballs. Yeah, go for it. Those who have listened to the podcast enough happen to know that my wife, for whatever reason, has never, had never seen Star Wars until she met me. Yes. The interesting uh, twist to that is she had seen and loved Spaceballs. Really? Mm-hmm. Never watched Star Wars, never watched Star Trek, loved Spaceballs. Okay. You know, I, I thought I read somewhere that when I was looking at some articles for this one, I thought I read somewhere that Bill Pullman had never seen Star Wars before making this movie. I think he was just like, yeah, I, I haven't seen the Star Wars things, but yeah, I got a good idea of what it's about. Huh. Oh, that's so okay. That's interesting. So she's she's seen space. Some lady she with loves buns it, but, in her hair. It's right. fine. You know, it'll, I'm sure it'll all be funny when they put it in the theaters. Okay, well that's interesting. I still have not shown the kids yet, so I I'm, I'm trying to decide. That's an interesting one. What age yeah. group is it for? Well, I mean, see, I watched it when it came out, so. And I, what would I have been? I would have been seven. Right, but this was with the uncle that showed you all the bad stuff, right? No, actually, well, let's see. How did I see this one first? It couldn't have been my dad because this is one of the, this was a really weird one. He loved Mel Brooks movies. He hated this movie. What? Yeah, he would he'd either fall asleep or he'd leave the room if it was on. He knew I loved it, so he'd let me watch it, but he'd either fall asleep or leave the room. He could not stand this movie. Which is weird to me because he loved Blazing Saddles. He loved Young Frankenstein. He loved all the other ones. But for some reason, he just did not like this one. I don't know why. Well, it is a little different than them. It's definitely not... The formula of the movies he made before this was different than this movie. How so? It... He talked about it a little bit in the commentary. Just that he attacked it differently because he had different goals. He was talking about at the beginning of the commentary I listened to about how the funding was different on this one. He just was doing things a little differently. Not in a bad way, and it wasn't like a huge departure, but John brought up some of the ad-libbing. That's not something he's used to doing. Just weird little things, and I feel like, I feel like some of that comes through in some of the some of the scenes in, um, oh God, I am drawing a total blank right now. That's not really good. Um, some of the scenes on the, on the Winnebago, like some of the, uh, some of the more action-y scenes. Like, all his other movies are so character-driven, and so is this movie, but there's a, just enough more action that I wonder if that's what your dad wasn't a fan of because it, it wasn't in that typical Mel Brooks yeah, do you think that's what it could be, John, is that it's, it's like, a, like the old school Mel Brooks and this is more of a new school Mel Brooks or something? Yeah, I, I don't know because he, I mean, he, never, he never explained why he didn't like it. He just always said, oh, that movie? Okay, well, you watch it, but I'm, I'm going to go do something else. And he never oh. explained it. And, and to me, I don't know that I think this movie is 
all that different from the other Mel Brooks movies. I mean, it's, it still hits the same notes. It's still, I know you said he's kind of working with a different formula, but to me, it's, it's still kind of the, the same, the same type of gags. It's, you know, and not in a negative way, but it's, it's, you know, it's his style. And I, I don't know. I just, that always kind of boggled my mind. And I, I wish I could ask him and say, and ask him why he didn't care for this one, but for some weird reason, um, I don't know. Maybe it had something to do with this one was so far, uh, so far after all the other ones. This one was what was it like six or seven years since he had made a movie, and then this one came out. Maybe almost ten years. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Any chance it was the your dad didn't feel a special reverence to the source material, did he? No, he likes Star Wars, but he, you know, he could care less if somebody was making fun of it. Okay, because I have definitely run into the oddball, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Wrong people? Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. <laughs> just the, the, the uber sci-fi fan who just can't take a joke. Okay. Who definitely would pan this movie. Okay. But as you said, I usually just put no. them in the category of no. why am I talking to you? Oddball wrong people. Um, yeah, exactly. All right, so let me let me get our uh, let me get some of our background info for the movie here, and then we will head on into our. Uh, actually, we might even just do the trivia game first after I do this background info, um, so that we can get past all the little spoilery things. And I know there's a couple things you guys will know from the trivia part, so we'll we'll do that early on. So we've got a little little five question trivia game that we're going to do here in just a minute. Um, very, very quickly before I get into all that other stuff, um, we are, we're up to 865 followers on Twitter, which is really cool. So thank you everybody for following us there. And, uh, I'm going to issue a challenge. I'm going to say we can get to a thousand by Halloween. That'd be outstanding. So everybody on Twitter, tell your friends, um, and tell your, uh, father's brother's uncle's roommate that, uh, you should follow us on Twitter and, we, we, we put fun stuff up there. So um, I'm, I'm saying we can get to 1,000 by Halloween. So that's, that's my challenge yeah. to everybody. All right. Um, I, we've, we've gotten this far, and I haven't even introduced you guys yet, which, you know, anybody listening, they already know who you are. But uh, so off in one corner over there, hiding in the Temple of Yogurt, is Bo Warmbold. Yo. Uh, sitting as the co pilot in the Winnebago, Jeff Mazuka. That's going to leave a mark. There you go. And uh, uh, Sergeant Major, I'm not going to say your last name here on the podcast because it is a family show, but uh, Pat Canigallo, everybody. Hey, hey. You know, they changed their name when they came over to America, but uh, all, all part of the same family as Philip. He's a butthole, sir. First there, class. There major butthole. There you go. All right. Hey, and I know we're not, I, I don't want to get too derailed, but I just yeah. want to say if this airs on Sunday... Sunday, or I'm sorry, if this airs on Wednesday, the, what would that be, the 13th? 13th, yeah. If you hear this and you can get to it, go see Wrath of Khan in the theater. It oh. is awesome on yeah. the big screen. I don't want to derail it. And Jeff, Jeff, I know that, you know, you're not as big of a Star, Star Trek fan and weren't there, but I just want to put my shout out in. It was outstanding on the big screen. Okay, so real, real quick, before we jump into the Spaceball stuff, let's do that, because I did want to talk about that for a second. Um, so very, very quickly, because Bo, you went, and Pat, you went, and I went to the exact same show um, of Star Trek II Wrath of Khan. So give, give your, like, 30 to 60 seconds of your pitch on what it was like to see it in the theater. 
Pat, ahead, you want to take this first? Uh, go ahead, man. You, you go ahead. Okay. Obviously, I loved it. I mean, it was Wrath of Khan. I was going to love it to begin with. I think the remastering was really good. Some of the new effects they added were nice. It wasn't as blatant slap you in the face as some of the Star Wars redos. Um, but I think it, there were some cool little things in there. Um, it was the second time I've seen it on the big screen. So it was really cool to see it, to see the remaster for me. I saw it as part of a run-up of movies leading up to uh, First Contact's release. They showed all the movies at a movie theater in Mundelein way back when. Nice. Um, so it was cool. It was cool. I wish there'd been more people there. It was not as full of theater as I was hoping for. That's one of those movies that when you watch it with a full theater, there's just so much reaction you can get out of people. Yeah. Um, and we got some, don't get me wrong, but yeah. I think most of it was us reacting. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a little bit of a smattering of applause. Yeah. It was awesome, though. The, just some of the great one-liners in that movie. The little interview <laughs> with Shatner beforehand was even fun. He was so Shatner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But yeah, was. it was cool. It was which, a good thing. It was a good thing they did. Which I will say about that interview in the beginning, I, I like that they did it. I almost kind of wish they would have done it at the end of the movie. Yeah. Because I was taking John for the first time and they start talking about the death scene and all this other stuff. And right. I'm like, well, okay, John, cl- close your ears. Don't listen. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I'm not listening. I'm not really listening. Just close your ears. You don't want to listen to this part yet. So I kind of wish, because I mean, an, an event like that, that's the time that you might take somebody to go see it for the first time. And I, I kind of wish they wouldn't have done that at the very beginning of the movie. But other than that, I, that was my only thing that I didn't like about it was that they put that in at the beginning. Um, otherwise, it was it was a lot of fun. That was the first time I'd ever seen it on the big screen. And this had been a a favorite movie in our house ever since I was a little kid. I mean, I probably saw this when I was maybe four or five years old. As soon as it was out on VHS, we had it and we were watching it at home. Yeah. So probably not the best movie to show a four or five year old, but yeah, who cares? Probably keeping, you're probably keeping your ears covered for the next couple of years. But. Oh yeah, that was always that was kind of always a, a running gag slash threat in our house. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they were going to put the last surviving creature of SETI Alpha Five in your ears. Uh huh. Yep. And I, well, the one thing that we did, the one thing that we did that I, I definitely was happy that I did because I hadn't seen it in a while, and then John had never seen it, was on um, on Saturday, the day before we went to go see it, uh, we watched the Space Seed episode from the original series. So it was it was good to kind of have that background, and it had been years since I'd seen it, so it was kind of a good reminder of there were a couple of extra references here and there that I got uh, that I remembered a little bit better from having watched the the TV episode. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. I, yeah, it, it was just, I mean, I've said it before. It's my favorite Star Trek thing ever, that movie. And just seeing it where it was meant to be on the big screen, that was just such a treat. And the thing that is, it's kind of like, you know, you, you, you start, we're used to cell phones. So you start watching movies and videos on cell phones. And then, you know, you kind of get a, an image in your head. Then you actually start watching them on a TV again, and it's like, wow, you can really pick up things. You can pick up facial features and little things that you didn't notice before and effects and all this kind of stuff. That's pretty cool. And then 
then you realize that that's kind of like the same thing of going to a movie that you've always seen on video, which I'd had, and then suddenly see it on the big screen and suddenly, oh my gosh, Ricardo Montalban, he deserved an Oscar for greatest villain ever on a screen. Maybe there's someone I'm forgetting, but probably not. I mean, that guy was just menacing as Khan and the looks in his eyes and how it just, you had, you saw that insanity, um, that, that madness of just wanting to get Kirk. Wow. That was, um, uh, that that was pretty cool and uh, you know john like we've just talked in the past this this wasn't just a modern action movie where there's like things exploding all the time i mean it really you'd have a lot of character development and building of the scene and then bam something would snap or something would go and i just thought seeing it on the big screen with the you know surround sound special effects and everything like that you know when they're when when they get uh when when they dupe con they get the they get the um uh, the code in to drop the shield so they can shoot at him and, and you know get him get him away and escape boy that scene is just intense i mean it, I, I was back at the edge of my seat and i've seen a movie a hundred million times oh yeah so it was it was a very 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 it was a freak it was awesome the the prefix code that you mean the the one two three four five the one two three four five buddy reliance prefix code yeah that's right yeah the same code i had by my luggage really Okay. Actually, it's the same I got on my luggage too. That's a coincidence. Um, so yes. So if you are listening to this, I, I think this is going to come out Wednesday morning, uh, September 13th. And I believe that, uh, September 13th, Wednesday night is the last time they're going to be showing it for the 35th anniversary showings. So, um, and like Bo said, the theater was not packed. So I'm sure there are plenty of seats still left, but if you are a Star Trek fan and if you are a Star Trek two fan in particular, uh, definitely go check this out. If you've never seen it on the big screen, cause I'm sure there's a generation of fans who have never seen this on the big screen. They've only watched it on VHS or DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. Um, you know, do yourself a favor and go see this on the, on the big screen. Cause it is definitely worth it. All right. So that being said, let's go ahead and jump on into Spaceballs. Um, this one was released on the 24th of June, 1987. It was rated PG, actually one of the very few PG movies at this point to still feature uh, a slight mentioning of the F word. Uh, happens a little bit later in the film towards the end, uh, but it's still... Nothing so works on this ship. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, and actually, I think some of the movie packaging, they actually mislabeled it as PG-13 sometimes because of that. Um, but it's actually a PG, uh, PG rating for this one. The runtime is one hour, 36 minutes. The director for this one was Mel Brooks. Uh, he was director, producer, and starred in it, and writer. Uh, he also did such movies, like we need to list these, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, the Producers, Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, Robin Hood Men in Tights, uh, History of the World Part 1, um, in terms of producing, he was also an uncredited, uncredited producer on the uh, movie with Jeff Goldblum, The Fly. Uh, did, not oh. know that, did not know that one until I looked it up. Um, and then he also did, as a writer, uh, he did some work on, I think he co-created the original Get Smart TV series, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, yeah, so director, producer, writer, actor in this one. Uh, another one of the producers was Ezra Swardlow. He also produced Alien 3, Zombieland, and the two Smurfs movies. Uh, another of the writers was Thomas Meehan, who died actually just a few weeks ago. Uh, he was a writer for Annie, Hairspray, and the producers. 
Ronnie Graham died in 1999. Uh, he was one of the writers, and he also played the minister in this movie. Uh, he was also a writer on MASH and the Brady Bunch of Variety Hour. Cinematography was done by Nick McLean, who also did cinematography for Stayin' Alive, the sequel to um, Saturday Night Fever. And he was also the cinematographer for The Goonies and Short Circuit. Music for this one was done by John Morris, who also did Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, Clue, Haunted Honeymoon, and Dirty Dancing. Um, you know what? I didn't even fill out the budget stuff for this one, so I don't have the numbers for the budget. I'll get them here in just a minute. But, uh, it did all right. It, it did fine. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, Mel Brooks played President Scroob and Yogurt. He was in Blazing Saddles, the Muppet movie, and one of my favorite... Uh, one of my favorite TV shows that he was in was one of our favorite TV shows. Uh, he was mad about you. He was Uncle Phil. So he would show up. Um, he had, of course, changed his name. His original name was Deuteronomy. And people would pick on him, so he had to change his name to Phil because he had had his Phil. Um, John Candy died in 1994. He was barf. Uh, he was in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Home Alone, SCTV, and Uncle Buck. Rick Moranis uh, was Dark Helmet. He was in Ghostbusters, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Little Shop of Horrors. Bill Pullman played Lone Star. He was in While You Were Sleeping in Independence Day. Daphne Zuniga played Princess Vespa. She was in The Fly 2 and Melrose Place. Dick Van Patten died in 2015. He was King Roland. He was in Freaky Friday, Robin Hood Men in Tights. George Weiner was Colonel Sanders. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken. Uh, he was, there you go. He was the Devil's Advocate and American Pie 2. Michael Winslow was the radar technician. He was in the Police Academy movies and Sharknado 3. Joan Rivers died in 2014. She was the voice of Dot Matrix. She was a writer for The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. She was in Muppets Take Manhattan and Look Who's Talking. Laureen Yarnell Jansen, who died in 2010, was the actor who played Dot Matrix in The Suit, and she was a performer on The Sonny and Cher Show. We mentioned before Ronnie Graham, one of the writers, played the minister. He was also in History of the World Part 1 and Robin Hood Men in Tights. Jim J. Bullock played Prince Valium. He was in a TV series called Too Close for Comfort and The Bold and the Beautiful. Rudy DeLuca played Vinny. He was in Transylvania 65000 and Robin Hood Men in Tights. Tim Russ played the trooper uh, in the desert. He was in Live Free or Die Hard and Star Trek Voyager. Dom DeLuise, who died in 2009, played Pizza the Hut, the voice of Pizza the Hut. And he was in Cannonball Run, An American Tale, and All Dogs Go to Heaven. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave this one a 57%, and the audience gave it an 83%. That Gene, seems low. It, it does seem low. So I, here's some of the critics on this one. Uh, Gene Siskel, I've got Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert, and then one other critic, and they're kind of a mixed bag of, of reviews. Uh, Gene Siskel from the Chicago Tribune said, It's a close call on recommending this movie, but Spaceballs does have some big laughs that are not to be missed. And he gave it three out of four stars. Uh, Roger Ebert, however, from the Chicago Sun-Times said, how do you review a movie like this anyway? I guess by saying whether you laughed or not. I did laugh, but not enough to recommend the film. Two and a half stars. Richard Schickel, who was from Time Magazine, said, the crew flings itself energetically through space in search of laughs, but it will never penetrate the galaxy where Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein traced their giddy orbits. So there. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, critics, think, critics not, I, not big fans I, of this movie. I think that this movie ushered in a new generation to satire. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Brooks's older films played to the generation prior. 
you know, the, the sweeping epics and the westerns. Um, and now, you know, you, you, you're looking at a group that, whose lives were transformed by the likes of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it's just a bit curmudgeon on like Ebert's part to come down on it. Well, and I now that I've read Ebert's it's this, not, this it's not the Brooks that right. Ebert grew up with. And I wonder because my dad always he always liked and he a lot of times he agreed with Roger Ebert's reviews. And sometimes he would he would base his opinion of a movie off of what Roger Ebert said. Because he really liked him, and he he liked reading his articles, reading his reviews. So I almost wonder, reading this again and seeing that Ebert just kind of said, "Nah, you know what? I I laughed a couple times, but not enough to recommend it." I almost wonder if maybe that's part of where my dad not liking this movie came from. So that could be part of it. But yeah, Jeff, I think I think you're right. I think this is this is like on the on the fence of you know newer. Mel Brooks stuff versus the old, like you said, the, I mean, kind of sweeping you know, epics type movies. And you even mentioned that this was his first film after uh, what ten year hiatus. I think it was almost ten years. Yeah, and it's it's a pretty wide gap in in Hollywood. You you know it, it's you know it's a it's a film for a newer a newer audience. And I and I think if I can if I can jump in, I think especially when you're dealing with comedy. I'm kind of reminded of a conversation that happened with Saturday Night Live when they were interviewing. Who was the guy that did? Is it was it Lorne Michaels? Yeah, yeah. They were interviewing him. You remember a couple of years back when Saturday Night Live had the big 40th anniversary spectacular? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they interviewed him and they said, "You know, how are you able to do it?" And he said, "You know, because different people catered at certain times uh, of of Saturday Night Live." And he said, "You know, I I can't try to be funny." to for all time for every age he says if you look and i'm kind of paraphrasing and 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 i'm not quoting him directly but his thing was basically the stuff that we did in the 70s was going to be funny to that generation when we got to the 80s we had to do something different it was a new generation now the people from the 70s might sort of find it funny but they're always going to laugh at their stuff more and then when you get to the 90s then we had to do another group of, of uh, not quite ready for primetime players. Right. We had to get a new group with new kinds of humor. And the people that liked it in the 80s might, kind of fu- might find it kind of funny, but it's not meant for them. And then the people that thought it was funny in the 70s, there's no, they're, they're not going to like it quite as much. And so you got this thing where he says, it, you know, there'll be certain generations that just won't find it funny because it's not meant for them. And there's no way to please, you, you really have to shape it for the audience that you have. And I think comedy is such a challenging, difficult form. And then maybe, maybe that's just what it is, is that it's really, you know, the Mel Brooks movies that were made earlier, that was made for an earlier audience. And now this one is made for us, you know, the younger audience. Because yeah, a lot of the reviews are this way. It's, it's very, Jeff, I think you, put it perfectly it's it, it almost seems very curmudgeonly that they just they were they were going to say that they didn't laugh just in spite of it all mm-hmm. so all right well yeah go ahead no I, and i'll wrap it up i was going to say i think this is like the first comedy that i remember really getting when i was yeah. a kid like this is this was my first foray into comedies that okay i get the humor i see why it's funny i don't have to have someone explain it to me i get it and I, you know, 
this this one just fired out all cylinders for, the, for me. The, and, and this so is I, this is probably this is probably the <laughs> earliest example of satire or, or uh, parody that I can remember seeing. And right. probably based on this movie and based on how much I liked this movie as a kid, it's probably why I enjoy parodying things so often myself. Like I, I love to make fun of stuff. I love to take something and twist it and, and just, and turn it into something funny. And I think it's probably because of this movie and watching how they did that with something that was my absolute favorite. I mean, star Wars, that was everything when I was about this age and for them to take it and make it funny, then you know, I, I remember just absolutely loving it. And so I think that's probably, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely the demographic this movie was shooting for. Sure. Well, we were, we were kids when this came out. Yeah. I mean, and not to say that only kids would like it, but I think that, you know, the curmudgeon thing that, I mean, that boy, that doesn't add in, that doesn't equate to a kid's mindset. So yeah, right. I think, so, uh, so cinema score gave this a B minus and that's cinema score. If you haven't heard us talk about that before, that's, uh, when they would survey people as they leave the theater, they'd ask them to give the movie a score. Uh, and I think they've been doing those since about 1977, 1978. And, uh, so cinema score gave this one a B minus. So not a bad score, but it, it does kind of fit along with the, uh, there was the 83% that the audience gives it on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the only award I could find for this one, unfortunately, is uh, something called the uh, Stinker Bad Movie Award. And appar huh. apparently it won the Stinker Bad Movie Award for Worst Picture, which, again, don't agree with. Um, yeah, so Sad. I know. Um, Thank you, President. Um, <laughs> so here's a, uh, here's a quick summary of this movie. When the mining moon Praxis explodes and planet Spaceball has only 50 years of life remaining, President Scroob sends his evil minion, Dark Helmet, to steal all of the air from planet Druidia. The only person standing in his way is the space bum Lone Star and his faithful companion, Barf. Not here, pal. This is a Mercedes. Once upon a time warp, deep in outer space, there lived the most sinister villain in the universe, Dark Helmet. I can't breathe in this thing! Spaceball. They must have hyper tests on that thing. And what do we got on this thing? A Cuisinart? Starring Mel Brooks. It's for you. As President Scrooge. Who is that? Japanese Uniga. As Princess Vespa. Daughter of Roland, king of the Druids. Funny, she doesn't look Druish. John Candy hey, Bart, as Bart. Wow! Wow! Give me Bob! Bill Poon as Lone Star. Ludicrous speed! Go! Mel Brooks as the magnificent yogurt. Don't make a fuss. I'm just plain yogurt. Rick Moranis as Dark Helmet. Why don't we take a five-minute break? Spaceball. The movie. Smoke if you got him. And may the Schwartz be with you! Okay, um, before I get to the background stuff, because some of the background stuff might have included... Uh, our, our little trivia game here. We're going to play a little Spaceballs trivia. I'm ready. So let's see. Let's see how much you know. We we all love this movie. So let's see how much you really know. 
about this. Movie. I know it all. How much were you paying attention? I, I, I know everything. You know everything? Yes. Okay. All right. Ready? Here we go. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Am I allowed to play or no? Yeah, you're allowed to play. Okay. I thought you didn't want me to play. No, you can play. Okay. Yeah. There's only. Hey, if there's, we can let John play Star Wars trivia, Jeff can play Spaceballs trivia. Nobody plays Star Wars trivia. Yet. No one will play Star Wars Trivial Pursuit with me ever again. Yeah, no kidding. I can't. We have it here at my house. No one, every once in a while, John Ezra will play with me, but there, we have to put rules in place that you I. You should am, bring it to Game Club. Oh, I could do that. Well, then nobody would ever come back again. Because <laughs> I would just tear all of them apart and it would just be kind of sad. And it just. Yeah. And the goal is not to be mean to the children. Have you ever read the story? Oh. You ever read the story Harrison Bergeron? Yeah. Where they they have the handicapper general and they have to like weigh him down with weights and they put a mask on him so he's they don't see how handsome he is and I, that's kind of like me when I play Star Wars Trivial Pursuit with the kids. Like there yeah. has to be a rule that you know I have to have duct tape on three quarters of my mouth and I can only answer one question at a time and I have to answer them in French or Pig Latin and you know otherwise it's not a fair game. All right, the next time they invoke those rules and they actually duct tape your mouth, mm-hmm. I expect a picture. Okay. It, the next time we play, I'm sure it's going to happen. All right. That's so, hysterical. But uh, yeah, and then some other time, and Bo. Brilliant, we, by the way. And, and Bo, we can talk about the time that you and I played Star Wars Trivial Pursuit one time. No, we don't need to talk about that. Don't that want to talk about that? embarrassing. Okay. All it right. It was absolutely embarrassing. It was a lot of fun. I had a good time. For somebody. <laughs> uh-huh. So here it is, our five-question Spaceballs trivia game. Um, and we don't have buzzers, so we'll just, you know, whoever answers. Scream. whoever Yeah, scream just scream, loud. and whoever answers first, that we'll do it that way. Okay, question one. Maybe I should do this, like, when we go to trivia. One. One. Which famous ship from Star Wars can be seen in Spaceballs? I know. I know. <laughs> Pat, did you just say... Blah, 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 blah? I did. Well, I wasn't sure whether I was supposed. Is this a is this a shout it out? Is this a raise your hand? I'm not. I'm not sure how we do this. Yeah, I can't. I can't see you raise your hand, so we're not going to go with the raising hand thing. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, just shout it out. Okay. So where? So I, I think everybody answered correctly. So where can you see the Millennium Falcon in the movie? At the spaceport. At the yeah. Spa- yeah. There you go. Said. Yep. At the diner. Yep. All right. Uh, what is the name of Lone Star's Winnebago? Eagle Five. Yeah. There we go. Nice job. It is the Eagle Five. Um, and actually, Lone Star's Winnebago is up for auction. It's currently, I think, the last time I saw. And I, you know what? I don't know if that's from this year. Um, it is, is up it for auction. That huge Hollywood auction. I think so. Oh my God! If I had the money. Let's see. When was all, this? All the stuff that they have for sale. Oh, you know what? It was. Yeah, it was. Um, it was from June 9th uh, of this year. And they have that at the time of this article, it was currently at twenty thousand dollars. Oy vey! So if you, it was that, and Dark Helmet's helmet was about nine thousand dollars. Oh, how awesome would that be? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, one of my so start thinking about it now because one of my questions for us later is going to be if you had if 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 you were going to be given something free, a prop from this movie for free, what one prop would you choose? So don't answer now, but think about it because I know exactly which one I would choose. Okay. 
Uh, so Mel, you, does Mel Brooks count as a prop? Sure. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Well, no, because then I, I don't want I don't want our podcast to be known for condoning slavery of Mel Brooks. So. Yeah. Well. Well, not. Well, I mean, you guess he wouldn't be your slave. You just make him your roommate. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd treat him well. Okay. All right. All right. Anyway. Um, okay. So this one. Um, this one might be a little tougher. When Yogurt is showing off the merchandising in the temple, what famous 80s cartoon character is featured on the front of Spaceballs The Coloring Book? Optimus Prime. Yep, Transformers. Oh, nice job. Uh, I think there's also a Transformers thing on the lunchbox, lunchbox. too. Lunchbox. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is Princess Vespa's license plate? Spoiled Rotten or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Spoiled Rotten. Spoiled Rotten 1. Ah. Yep. Uh, all right. What movie was previously filmed on the soundstage used for Yogurt's Temple? I know. Ooh. I did not know that one. All right, Jeff, go for it. The Wizard of Oz. Nice. Which makes it even funnier that they have, like, the, the four of them are kind of walking in together arm in arm, and there's the fire, and, and they keep wanting... Yeah. They, the, the, the Tin Man, I'm sorry, Dot Matrix keeps wanting to chicken out, and then the Cowardly Mog wants to chicken out. Awesome. Yeah, I did not know that until you told me that. So that's You're pretty, welcome. That's pretty awesome. All right, here's my last question, and I have not been keeping track, so you guys can just each decide who's the winner. We're all winners. We're everybody's a winner. Everybody, everybody, everybody gets, gets a trophy. Everybody gets a trophy. You all can go buy yourself some ice cream. Okay. Everything is awesome. There we go. Uh, when you're part of a team, um, the trooper in the desert who had yet to find anything would later go on to star in another sci-fi franchise. What Star was Trek. his what? Tim Ross. Mm-hmm. We going too fast. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me finish the question. Okay. What was his character's rank? Well, that depends on what you're talking about. But he was a lieutenant most of the time. Okay. Yeah, but you, you, you're talking to the wrong guy. If you I want know. To talk about ranks and timelines. He's an admiral in the game I play regularly. I, so you know. Okay, normal people. What would normal people think he was? Probably a lieutenant. Okay, I have I have listed as he is a lieutenant commander. Uh, he started as a lieutenant for sure. Okay, he definitely got a promotion. Okay, but he started as a lieutenant for sure. On IMDb, he's listed as a lieutenant. Okay, because when I realized who it was, I went back and looked up some stuff. All right. Okay. Because he's actually in. I'll give it to you. Another. He's in this weird Star Trek Renegades thing that's actually finally might get a release this year. Oh, was that like the web series somebody was doing? Yeah, and then they got sued, and they had to change the name and all this stuff. They finally have a release year of 2017 listed, so it might actually happen. All right. Well, congratulations. Everybody everybody won. Nice job. This is kind of like... Here's my trophy. It's kind of like whose line is it anyway, where the points are made up and doesn't really matter. There you go. Here it is. There you go. You're number one. You are number one, my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the rest of us are number two. Okay. Um, all right. Hey, I resemble that. Well, you, you might. number two work for? <laughs> all right. So a little bit of background on this one now that we've done our, our trivia game and we've spoiled the things we can spoil. Um, a couple of different things. The scene in which Dark Helmet, it, I, I loved this when I read it. Uh, the scene where he's playing with his dolls was not in the script at all. Uh, writer and director Mel Brooks came up with the idea on the set one day and he told it to Rick Moranis who then improvised the entire thing including all the dialogue. 
So here's my question. If he improvised the entire thing, did they have to, like, come back and shoot it once they made the dolls? Or did they already have the dolls? Well, I think, they, I think he came up with the idea, and he's like, I want you to be in your, in your office, like, playing with the dolls. And, you know, I, I, what do you think your character should, should say? And I would imagine Rick Moranis probably just said, yeah, you know what, put me in there, give me the dolls, and we'll just go from there. Okay. Because I, I heard the same thing, and I was like, okay. But does Mel Brooks walk up and say, okay, so I'm making these dolls, and this is how this is going to go? Or does he just throw the dolls at Rick Moranis and say, there you go? I would be fine either way. Yeah, I just think it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting chicken or the egg on the set comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the as we mentioned in our during our trivia game, the Millennium Falcon from the Star Wars saga does make a cameo appearance in this movie. Uh, if you look closely at the exterior shot of the space diner, you can see it parked there among the other space vehicles. Uh, apparently, George Lucas got a chance to read the Spaceballs script before production began, and he loved it so much he had uh, ILM help make the movie. So a lot of the different special effects they are of a high quality because they are actually done by ILM. But you you know what his only caveat was. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No merchandise is allowed for Spaceballs. Which is why they made such a big deal out of the merchandising in, that, in the scene in the temple. Correct. Yeah. Well, and it just all, it became the running gag throughout uh, the rest of the movie. Because right. you have the... the uh, Spaceballs, the toilet paper. Spaceballs, the... The, the bed sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, no, that's no. Why, they, why do you think, unless, unless maybe you know... Why would they? Why would he say no merchandising? I mean, would that would that somehow hurt his Star Wars sales? I, I guess I don't. I mean, I, that I, was I'm probably right his here. logic behind it. Whether it really would have or not, I don't know. Because it's, I, it's George I Lucas. Yeah, no I can't make any sense of that. George Lucas is all wow. about the merchandising. I was to say it's George Lucas. Are we really going to try to make sense of him? Because yeah, I know it's a challenge. You guys, I I sat down and I I wrote a Star Wars movie, but. But I decided let's just make some stuff instead. <laughs> let's not even let's not even do the movie. Let's just skip the movie. And uh, sounds like Bill Clinton with a cold. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say yeah. That that almost sounded like uh, yeah. Did you guys hear that uh, Lucas has expressed interest in directing Episode Nine? Okay. Okay. Now that now that you brought that up, I let me go on a short, maybe like twenty second tirade about that. Go. When I heard that they fired Colin Trevorrow, did you say it Trevorrow or Trevorrow? Trevorrow. I don't go. This is breaking into my time. Here, so Trevorrow. Okay. Um, I know. So when they said that they were firing him, the first article I saw was, hey, who would be the best person for episode nine? It might surprise you. And then like an idiot, I clicked on the article and I read all the way oh, down no. to the bottom and they said, George Lucas, it's a perfect match. And then I got angry and I said, no, shut up. You should never be allowed to write anything ever again. George Lucas did wonderful things when he created this, but no, he, I don't think he wants to be anywhere near it. I think that it just needs to be left for other people to explore and leave it alone. No more. Okay. That's it. All right. Moving on. But yeah, that, that's my opinion on that. But yes, I had heard, I had heard that somebody, I don't think George Lucas expressed interest. I think other people were expressing interest on his behalf. At least that's what I read. I'm gonna to want to look. I'm gonna to have to look this up. Okay. Either way, George, please don't do it. Yeah, I don't know that we want him anywhere near it at this point. Let other people play in the playground. 
and just you go you off and back and collect your money. But you collect your money, go go build your build your museums. Unfortunately, not in Chicago, but go build your museums. Yeah, and... I'm still butthurt by that one. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, in a 2013 television interview, shortly before receiving the AFI Lifetime Achievement Award, Mel Brooks stated that he personally obtained George Lucas's full permission uh, to parody any and all things Star Wars related. But like you guys said, on one condition, absolutely no merchandise of any time, any kind to be produced from the film. Um, the castle, and so I wish I had... I wish I had realized this when we went there because I've been to this castle. Uh, the castle on Druidia is King Ludwig II's uh, Nuch- uh, I'm going to mess it up. Nuschwanstein mm-hmm. Castle in Bavaria. Uh, God bless you. Thank you. Um, it was modified by matte painting with additional ramps, and the castle has been featured in many motion pictures and is the original inspiration for the castle at Disneyland. So very cool castle. Um, much of the stuff, and they used to refer to him, so King, King Ludwig II, they referred to him as Mad Ludwig. And part of the reason was he, in this castle, he attempted to gold plate everything. And he, and he bankrupted his kingdom because he ran out of money and he never finished gold plating it. So as you walk through this castle, there are rooms where everything in the room, the entire wall, everything is gold plated. And then as you get a little bit further into the castle, everything's just kind of just plain wood with no gold plating. That's hysterical. So it's kind of funny to watch where the money ran out. Um, You know, Mad Ludwig too, the search for more money. Um, The escape pod launch sequence is actually an unused clip from Star Wars Episode Four, provided to Mel Brooks by Lucasfilm. Uh, Spaceballs the book. I didn't realize this. Spaceballs the book. The novelization was written by R.L. Stein. Mm-hmm. Well, how about that? I did not know that. Um, he gave. He gave. Are you about to say what I was about to say? Uh, the names of the Dinks. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Oh, I don't remember them. I just know he gave them names. Oh man, that should have been another trivia question. All right. So. Yeah. So, I'm going to get into this story now. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, voice actor Rob Paulson who has done countless voices, Pinky, Animaniacs, like just, you, you look him up on IMDb and you're going to see. His name um, is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. Sorry. He, uh, so he gets called in to, uh, to do some ADR for this movie. And... He's sitting around with, you know, Phil Hartman was another guy that was called in to do some mm-hmm. ADR. Yeah. And they're sitting around a table and Mel Brooks comes in and he's talking to the guys. I go, okay, so we got, you know, got this whole group. These, these little guys called dinks and all the dink, 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 dink is all they say. And they got, you know, the hood. And then we got one that brings water. We need to come up with a good name for him. So Rob Paulson says, well, how about Gunga Dink? I love it. So as the story goes, Paul Brooks turns to him and says, in this business, remember one thing. Wit is funny as money. Who's got another idea? I hope that story is true because it's fantastic. That's awesome. Gunga. I I think it's it's brilliant. Gunga. Jesus. What a great play on it. That's awesome. <laughs> Gunga dink the water dink. Like, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That's perfect. But, uh, yeah. I, well, he, I don't he was probably I, just sore. He didn't come up with it, come up with it himself. Well, that, that, that's what uh, he and uh, Maurice LaMarche said. Like, mm-hmm. he was probably just jealous that he didn't come up with that one himself. Right. Uh, yeah, apparently the other names based on the R.L. Stein novelization are Rinky Dink, Blinky Dink, Stinky Dink, Pinky Dink, Finky Dink, and Winky Dink. Hmm. So basically, it's the, all of the ghosts from Pac Man. Uh, let's well, I'm see. glad they found work. Yeah. Uh, Steve Martin was actually the original choice for Colonel Sanders. That would have been hysterical. That could have been interesting. Do you think he would have been too big of an actor for that part? Yes. No. You don't think so? I, no, I think, I think he would have been too big of an actor. And he would have tried really hard to downplay yeah. his role. But, but I think I'm, I'm, just, I, I'm picturing him from other, from other types of comedic roles like this. I can't picture him playing a second to Rick Moranis. Yeah, and, and not because, again, not because of he feels he needs to be the star. Right. But I think just the, the comedic energy he produces would be very difficult to wind down. Yeah. So I, I, I guess think, I can see that. I think that was, the, that was the right choice not to go with Steve Martin for that one. Um, this is not the first uh, Star Wars parody film that was ever made. Has anybody ever watched? I've heard of it, and I've seen like little short clips of it. Has anybody ever watched Hardware Wars? The holiday no. special. No. Okay, well, the holiday special. <laughs> the holiday sp- See, the problem is, I feel like for something to be a parody, it's got to be funny. That one's not even funny. I don't even know what it is. It's like an hour of torture. But you know what is funny? The fact that I showed it to my students and made them watch. Oh, you are. Oh, wow. And you still have a job. That was my well, gift to them. They did mm. make him teach literacy. Well, yeah, that's true. Oh, um, maybe I'll do that in literacy this year. You know what the Star Wars holiday special is? Awful. Well, it's it's what happens, you know, when they're about to in Empire Strikes Back, when he's lowering Han Solo into that kind of torture chamber that's the sparking and hot. And then it goes off camera and it, you see Lando and Boba Fett sitting there and Han starts screaming. It's because there was a little television screen in that device and they started playing the holiday special. <laughs> and that's what he's screaming about. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. And then, and then he's just completely worn out when they drop him back in the cell. He's like, they, didn't, they never asked me any questions. It, they just made me watch the holiday special the entire time. Yeah, that that was the torture. You never saw it on camera, but that was the torture. Um, though apparently, Hardware Wars was the first Star Wars parody. I've never seen it. Have any of you guys ever seen that one? I think I've I seen had clips of it. Okay, I had not heard of it until doing the minimal amount of research I did for tonight's uh, okay. discussion. I remember there being a flying toaster. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've seen like screenshots of it, and I maybe I've seen like a few seconds, a little clip of it. It's only a twelve-minute short movie, um, and uh, I think he made it in nineteen seventy-eight, so it was right after the original Star Wars came out, and uh, very low budget. I think um, uh, eight thousand dollars he made it for. Yeah, wow. so I would, actually, here's a quick little description. Uh, amateur filmmaker Ernie Faselius was so enamored with Star Wars in 1977, he cobbled together a 12-minute short called Hardware Wars, which he shot for just $8,000 in an abandoned laundromat. 
The film embraced its piddling budget by featuring toasters, flashlights, and bits of tinfoil to substitute for space debris. Charmingly hokey, Hardware Wars became immensely profitable, earning roughly $500,000 in 1978, and was even declared a, quote, cute little film by George Lucas. Faselius had offers to extend it to a feature length, but passed, and he would later seem slightly perturbed by Spaceballs, saying that it quoted his efforts. So, I have not seen it before, but I, I would be curious. It's only 12 minutes, so I'd be curious to go see it at some point, but... All right. It's probably on the YouTube's. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's out there. Um, all right, so let's just let's let's just jump right into this here. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be really mean, and I'm gonna limit it to like two or three, two or three favorite quotes from this movie. Oh, I'm, I'm, I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna just gonna jump in with I think what is one of the best lines in the entire movie and we have quoted it many many times before um when they are combing the desert yes we ain't found Mm -hmm. (laughs) i just i just love the when they comb the desert you hear me comb the desert do you think we're taking this too literally sir president scrooge what is it i have an urgent message from lord helmet he's lost the princess where somewhere in the sands of vega tell him to comb the desert do you hear me Comb the desert! Yes, sir. Sir? What? Are we being too literal? No, you fool. We're following orders. We were told to comb the desert, so we're combing it. Found anything yet? Nothing yet, sir. How about you? Not a thing, sir. What about you guys? We ain't found. Sh- it just the f- and, and as a kid, I would have had no idea what comb the desert means. And so I'm watching them comb the desert. And I'm like, oh, well, they're they're combing the desert. That's weird. And then finally, um, later, the- as an adult, I I was like, comb the de- oh, comb the desert. That's what it is. Well, and that joke is so dense because then they pan to the pick. Right. And. It- like there's so many layers there and mm-hmm. it just gets better as the, and, and that's the thing. It's a layered joke and it just yeah. gets better. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it wasn't until I was older that I picked up on the, the black space balls using the pick as mm-hmm. opposed to the white space balls using combs. Yep. Right. And, um, although what I remember picking up on when I was a kid watching that scene is before it even cuts to them with the comb. Dark Helmet has the megaphone. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he's using it like right at Colonel Sanders' ear. And then he puts it down and shouts at the guys out in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got, of course, he's got a desert piff helmet. I mean, right. you know, it's, God, it's so good. <laughs> it's the jokes like that that just layer on top of each other that are just awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's probably, if, if I had to pick one, uh, that would definitely be my first, my first one would be that scene i gotta go with the instant video when will then be now Mm -hmm. soon yes that whole shtick is great they're out in stores before the movie is finished here it is sir space balls good work corporal punch it up that's much too early prepare to fast forward preparing to fast forward fast forward fast forwarding sir Thank <laughs> you. 
pass this part. In fact, never play this again. Try here. Stop. What the hell am I looking at? When does this happen in the movie? Now. You're looking at now, sir. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened to then? We passed that. When? Just now. We're at now now. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. When will then be now? Soon. Missed that whole thing, and then when he's... Don't ever show this again. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, one of my absolute favorite lines is Darth Helmets when he says, you must remember one thing. Evil will always triumph because good is dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's a solid one. There's something so simplistic about that that line, and, and I was trying to use that as an insult. And it's so ridiculous, but it works so well. So, Lone Star, now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb. I think my other favorite has got to be when he's in the uh, when he's in the room playing with his dolls. So, Princess Vespa, at last I have you in my clutches to have my way with you the way I want to. No, no, please leave me alone. No, you are mine. Not so fast, Helmet. Lone Star. Yes, it's me. I'm here to save my girlfriend. Hi, honey. Now you are going to die. Psst. Oh! Oh, oh, hey, what you do to my friend? The same thing I'm going to do to you, big boy. Oh, oh, and you too. Oh, oh. Now, Princess Vespa, at last we are alone. Oh, no, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Leave me alone. Yet, I find you strangely attractive. Of course you do. Druish princesses are often attracted to money and power, and I have both, and you know it. Oh, leave me alone. No, kiss me. No. No, yes, no, no, yes, no, yes, oh, 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 your helmet is so big. Lord Helmet, what? You need it on the bridge, sir. Knock on my door, knock next time. Yes, sir. Did you see anything? No, sir. I didn't see you playing with your dolls again. Good. The John Hurt scene with yes. the alien coming out of his stomach. And yes. Oh, no. <laughs> Not again. Not again. <laughs> you know what I love about that one? When I first saw this movie, I didn't get it. Yeah. Now I get it. Now you get it. And oh, yeah. Really good. And the fact <laughs> that it's exactly the same actor. Oh, I know. Like, it is just so good. So good. So, we were lost. None of us knew where we were. And then Harry began feeling around on all the trees. And he said, I got it. We all Pluto. <laughs> and we said, Harry, how can you tell? He said, from the bark, you dummies. <laughs> from the bark. <laughs> Is he all right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the cat digs me. Hey, what's wrong with this guy? I don't know. Bring some water. Water my ass. Bring this guy some Pepto-Bismol. Waitress, waitress. What did he order? Oh, he had a special. That's what I ordered. I changed my order for the soup. Good move. Oh no, not again.
me, then you'll be left alone. Oh, baby, telephone and tell me I'm your own. Check, please. So I, I, I think another one of my favorite lines, when Barf goes to uh, get out of the seat. Yes. When he's still got the seatbelt on. And he goes to get up and he's just like, ooh, that'll leave a mark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess was an improvised line as well. Yeah, I had read that somewhere, that that was not in the script. But I, I don't know, I, I always like that. And I, I say that all the time. If I walk into something or, you know, bang my leg on a table as I'm walking mm-hmm. past or something, oh, that's going to leave a mark. I do like uh, the, the one scene that I know that uh, John is going to enjoy when we do eventually watch this movie. Because we've watched a couple of Star Trek things now, and, and I've introduced him to the Vulcan nerve pinch. And, uh, and, and sometimes I'll do that on him if he's misbehaving. And so uh, we, we get to the one scene. He's like, what are you doing when he sneaks up on the on the guard? What are you doing? The Vulcan neck pinch? No, 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 stupid. You got it much too high. It's down here where the shoulder meets the neck. Like this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is good. I'd forgotten about that one. Mm-hmm. One of my really good friends, uh, Dave, loves this movie. And so I was telling him that we were podcasting it. And uh, one of his favorite lines is um, outside of the uh, good is dumb is if there's yeah. one thing I despise, it is a fair fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if I must, I must. Like, and you're just, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. And then you're like, oh, wait, what do you say? <laughs> he despises a fair fight? That's that that whole back and forth there when when Lone Star and Dark Helmet square off. It's so great. All right, uh, let me let me ask you this one then. Uh, going back to the idea that they put up the uh, Dark Helmet's helmet and the Eagle Five Winnebago up for auction. Um, well, if you could have one item from this movie, and and I will say that my lovely wife did text me a little bit earlier when we were talking about this before, and uh, her text is, we don't have room for a Winnebago. Really, we don't. <laughs> so, so I'm not allowed to choose the Winnebago, which actually wouldn't have been my choice anyway. Um, I would have gone for Dark Helmet's helmet. So if you could have, if you could have one prop, if they were going to give you one prop from this movie for free, what prop would you take? Oh, this is so hard. <laughs> I think Pat, you know, since since Pat might have fallen asleep on us, I, I will take uh, Pat's, and I will say that Pat chooses the Spaceballs, the flamethrower. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense for Pat. Yeah. It's a toss-up for me between a can of air mm. and a can of liquid Schwartz. Okay. My wife will take the hairdryer. <laughs> That's a good one. The helmet, for sure, would probably be the top of my list. Mm-hmm. Um, but since you've already claimed that one, maybe the uh, hair bun headphones. Mm. Ooh, that solid. Would that would be good. Good call. If if I wanted to take something that I had room for uh, in the midst of all my other stuff, I would take uh, Lone Star's necklace with the little uh, symbols on it. Ooh, better. That'd, that. that'd be a very subtle piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be awesome for a collection, and and I would wear it all the time, and then tell people I'm a prince. What are you laughing at? An honest to god prince. Yeah. And then I would somehow have this miraculous change of clothes, some outfit that I never would have kept in the uh, in the Eagle Five <laughs> to begin with, but somehow I'd magically have this brand new set of princely clothes. 
It came with the liquid Schwartz. Okay, that makes sense. You know, the power of the Schwartz is, is all encompassing. Um, the power of the Schwartz compels you. Mm-hmm. That's a different movie. Um, you never underestimate the power of the Schwartz. So here's, here's my last question as we're wrapping up. They have been talking for many, many years, uh, but uh, apparently now it's, it's even more of, a, uh, more of a discussion and possibly more of a reality. Uh, Spaceballs 2. So they have been talking with the success of the recent Star Wars movies that they are talking about, and, and Mel Brooks would like to bring back Spaceballs 2. And I know, um, Jeff, when you and Pat went to go see him, that uh, I think somebody asked him a question about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's my question for you all. Um, if they do Spaceballs 2, which Star Wars movie would you want them to parody? Or, or let's, let's, let's do this. Which sci-fi movies would you want them to parody? Because I don't know that it has to be just Star Wars, but if you could pick one that they would kind of focus on primarily. The rumors that I've heard is that they may, they may focus on Force Awakens. And kind of the, the new characters and all that, but you know, I'm kind of a, of the mindset that I don't think we need a sequel to it. Okay. the 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 first one, Spaceballs, is it's everything space adventure, mm-hmm. and it it hit on all the, the the big elements of Star Wars and Star Trek and Alien and countless other things I don't see a need to do a second one so so let me follow that up with this question then because when he my understanding is when when he got to the point where he wanted to make another movie but he had to think about what genre he hadn't parodied yet uh, he said all right space sci-fi so we'll do a parody of Star Wars we'll do space balls is there another genre? I, I'm thinking off the top of my head, maybe superhero movies. Is there another genre that he hasn't done yet that you'd like to see him do? Good if question. Because I kind of agree with you. I kind of agree I'm fine with Spaceballs being the only Spaceballs. I don't know that I need a sequel. Well, when you think of... I, I'd of, go see it, but I don't know that I need it. When you think of sequelized parodies, can you think of a parody sequel that is really done well? that you know didn't have more just eye rolling than laughs because you know, look at Off the, the top of my head, no. you have the naked gun trilogy right and those progressively got worse as they went on um you have the airplane series and you know that you know, after the first airplane movie that those just sort of got worse as they went on i think with a with a good parody you lampoon really hard yeah. and you go, you, you go for the stuff that you know is going to be the, the laughs and the, the, the stuff that's going to work as a parody, like, like Mel Brooks, uh, beaming himself only then just to walk through the door into the next room. Right. You know, stuff like that. Whereas once you start getting into a sequel, now you have to start digging into layers a little bit as to what you're going to try to parody so you're not just redoing what you did the first movie. And now you're looking at, at things that fewer people are going to understand. If Mel Brooks was going to do a sequel to something, 
you know, maybe it would be another history of the world. Mm, okay. That, could... that actually would be good. Um, now, the, um, you know, of course, the joke is that it's called part one, but then there's no intent to ever right. do a part two. But I think if any of his movies lent themselves to being sequelized, you know, I, I, I think it would be that one because the you know, Lord knows our, our world is in such a place that there's always going to be things to mock and always going to be things to find humor in. Right. If, you, if, they, if they did a Spaceballs right. too, I mean, or... I would love to see a parody, but I'm not sure if it can be done well, and I'm not sure how it's going to land. It, it's, a tough, it's a tough act to follow. Yeah. And sequels are hard to begin with. Parodies are hard to begin with. A parody sequel could just be brutal. Yeah, well, I, I've tried like to think of any good ones, and I can't think it's of. Work. Oh, it could work. I mean, I, I just I think it's it's going to be a lot of work. And 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 the do you you know the the, the scuttlebutt is always that. Daphne Zuniga and, and Bill Pullman are, are in. Okay, great, but everybody's old now. Like, are we going to, is he going to try to, the, you know, space balls the next generation, this thing, or, so, you know what I mean? Let, let me put this out there. The sense that I get hearing him talk about doing a sequel to Spaceballs the bigger the, the biggest sense that I get out of all those conversations is he says he thinks about he, he's thinking about doing it I think more just to placate fans mm-hmm. than, than to actually really consider doing a sequel yeah I don't, sure. I don't think he wants to disappoint people by saying no no it's not going to happen but at the same time he's not going to commit to it so I think it's more just he's humoring the masses saying that you know he's thinking about it and, and working on some ideas but I don't think he has any intent to do a sequel and I hope to God that somebody isn't going to take that as a green light to step in and take over the idea yeah I can only hope that he's too smart to let that happen you know I'm I have no idea what the rights are like to his properties Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, he's not going to live too much longer, I don't think. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when he uh, when he when he does pass away. What happens to all of his properties? You know what? Uh, totally backtracking to your uh, uh, parody sequel question. I think I just thought of one. Oh, Austin Powers: The Spy Who Shagged Me. Oh, yeah. That's the only that one, and, and if we want to count Evil Dead too. As a parody sequel, okay. I, I would throw that one I, in there too. I, I think Evil Dead Two is a stretch to call it a parody sequel. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think Austin Powers—that's one of the only ones I can think of that is a parody. I will, I will definitely give you that, and I think the reason that works is because there's so much of the original source. Yeah, there's you know there's there's so much in the in in the James Bond pantheon. Mm-hmm that you can definitely do more than one movie. All right. So let's, so kind of leading into, here's my very last question here. Um, and we don't have to take too long on this, but 
Uh, what is your, if you had to pick just one, what is your favorite Mel Brooks movie? And we might have done this before on one of the other podcasts, but we'll do it again. Uh, favorite Mel Brooks movie? Spaceballs. Okay. Man, I don't know. <laughs> Why do you do this to me? Because I'm evil. I got the bad side of the shorts. You're evil because good is dumb. Yeah, there's. I mean, I got the. You got the upside. I got the downside. There's two sides to every Schwartz. Which is also a great moment in the movie when <laughs> it becomes a very casual conversation. Yeah. You got the upside. I got the downside. You see, there's two sides to every Schwartz. Yeah. Maybe Young Frankenstein, but this is so great. I know. Men in Tights is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Blazing Saddles is amazing. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I, I have a hard time picking between this one and Young Frankenstein. Just because I love I love those. I mean, it's the two two of my probably favorite genres is the classic universal monster movies mm-hmm. and Star Wars. So trying to pick between the two, because everything in Young Frankenstein is just amazing. And it's Gene Wilder. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think I can pick. I don't think I can pick between. So I'm going to cheat in my own question and say both. Space, oh, you've space never balls. done that before. Well, yeah, no. I mean, that's a brand new thing for me. Um, so, yeah, I'm, so I'm going to say Spaceballs and Young Frankenstein. I would probably say the same thing. Yeah. Now, if you really pressed me and forced me to pick one, Spaceballs? <laughs> you sound so sure mm-hmm. of yourself. I'm going to say it with a question mark. Spaceballs? Did you, have, have you heard the story of how they decided on titling it that? Uh, was it, there, was a, there was a British one. He wanted to call it like Planet Moron or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And they decided it should have space in the title. And while they're having this conversation... Mel Brooks spilled something on himself and jumped up and just yelled balls. <laughs> and then they were just like space balls. That's perfect. That's it. That's perfect. the title. Done. So real quick. I, I think, think I have to pick, if I think if I had to pick one, I think it would be space balls. Who's that? Because, yeah, I know. <laughs> we're back. You turned off the movie. <laughs> I think if I had to pick one, Where I think I would pick one. <laughs> Where the hell have I been? Oh, man. Dude, school started and it's past my bedtime. What do you think? <laughs> we were shouting your name for a while. Oh, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. But in answer to the question, I think if I had to pick one, I think I would pick, you know, with all the movies being great, I think I'd have to pick, give the nod to Spaceballs only because I think this is the one that I, this is like the first one I saw as a kid. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, Young Frankenstein came pretty soon after and all that, mm-hmm. but this is the first one that I remember really seeing as a kid and not having to say, hey, can you explain that to me? Or, hey, why is that funny? Or, you know, I mean, I didn't get it all, but I, I think that was the situation with Spaceballs was just that it was, it, you know, you kind of remember the stuff you remember as a kid, and that was the first one I could really latch on to. Yeah, I, I think for me too, I think that's why this one edges out Young Frankenstein because it was, it was the first... It was probably the first parody movie I'd ever seen. It was probably it was definitely the first Mel Brooks movie I'd ever seen, at least that I can remember. And it was it was Star Wars. It was making fun of Star Wars. So I mean that's because it is. It's it's the first one I saw. So I wouldn't have seen Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles till later. 
So I, I think I'm probably in the same boat with you. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I get that. Because I remember watching this movie and being able to understand some of the jokes because I was familiar with, familiar enough with Star Wars and new basic elements of Star Trek that I could laugh at a lot of this movie. Whereas, now, so I think this movie led me to discover more of Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, just try to learn more about satire. Um, because, like, I would watch the airplane movies, and they were funny. Well, the first one was was first one's hilarious, but without having seen Airport, you don't really get the point of the movie. Right. Right. So. So I, I'm Pat. I'm with you on this. That definitely, this is the first satirical movie I can remember seeing where I didn't have to ask for clarification for a lot of it. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go back for just a second to what we said about uh, Spaceballs two, and I've I've got one reason why I would not want to see a Spaceballs two. No John Candy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're not going to have, because I mean, yes, he's not the main character, but without his little, his little asides and all the little things that he does here and there, I, I, you don't, I don't think you have a movie. So if there's no, if there's no John Candy, I don't think you should do a Spaceballs too. Humans, droids, if I may. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. that sort of stuff that you, the movie would, it would definitely be lacking. It's funny. She doesn't look Druish. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> so brilliant. Great. It's all a Druish princess. <laughs> Which, by the way, he says that line five seconds after talking to her father, the king of Druidia. Right. Which made it even funnier. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. All right. Well, do we have any last things we want to say about Spaceballs? Other than if you haven't seen it, everybody needs to go out and see it right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think we spoke a lot about it. I mean, it was hard to get, you know, to keep Pat quiet about, about this movie. Well, yeah. Run, run, me, run me out of energy, and then that, that'll quiet me down pretty good. <laughs> But the only other thing I'd say about this, and I'm, I'm sure it came out earlier when I was, you know, blissfully, you know, slumbering. But I'll tell you, the it's just it's just a complete movie. It's not, you know, sometimes with some comedies and, and stuff, it's like you're going from one sketch to the other, but there's not like a whole movie. Mm-hmm. And I think this is again with all of Mel Brooks' movies. I'm I I can't answer the question. I, I, I've been thinking, you know, I cannot answer the question, favorite quote or favorite scene or favorite anything because it all flows together. And it's just, it, it's, it's just, it's a complete movie. And I think that's, that's what, what really makes this excellent is it's, is it's not just a series of gags or a series of funny situations, but it's like, it's just a whole movie of a whole movie of awesome, a whole movie of a very, very funny material. All right, so the only thing I got left is I need to decide uh, whether or not the kids are old enough to see this yet. I would say hold off. Yeah. Uh, well, definitely for Nora. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I know, I mean, because I saw this probably at around age seven or eight. So I, John's definitely fine. But I think, yeah, I think a few more years, a few more years for Nora. That's all right. Next Tuesday, she finally gets to see Wonder Woman. So when that comes out on Blu-ray, she's, she's been waiting to see that because we didn't go see it in the theater because we kind of thought she was still maybe just a little bit too young. Uh, so until Spaceballs 2 comes out and we do the podcast for that in like 30 years, um, which, and again, I don't know, I think I'm good without a Spaceballs 2, but either way, if one comes out, I'm sure I'll go watch it. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's going to do it for Spaceballs 2. So coming up next week, this will be our probably multi-part extravaganza. Uh, coming up next week will be our 150th, our Sasquatch Centennial um, episode. I, th- I said that right, didn't I? Yep. Yeah. Close enough. Yep. Putting the big foot right in my mouth. Um, so that's going to be our 150th episode in which we kind of go all throughout. We had all these different categories that we tortured ourselves with in terms of movie music. And uh, we spent a good long, what, what do you think, like four hours, four and a half hours total? It was probably close to four and a half. It's probably four and a half hours. Wow. So, yeah, so we, we spent a little while uh, going through some of that stuff. And uh, so we're not going to make the listeners listen to that all in one sitting. So we're going to break that up into at least I a mean, couple of different episodes. We, we're, we're going to probably talk for about four and a half hours in the future about music. Yes. Yeah, I'm, guess, I'm guessing it's going to take four and a half hours it, when we I'm, get there. I'm thinking it's probably, we're probably going to have to split it up over two days. That I'm, I'm predicting, I'll actually predict, I'll predict that it's going to take four and a half hours. And I'm going to predict that everything that we say will be the most amazing things anyone has ever heard about movie music. Okay, well, that's going to be next time. So uh, if, if, we, if we make it through the recording of that that we have not yet done, um, that we will be doing at some point in the future, whenever then is now, um, then that'll be our next episode. will be our 150th Sasquatch Centennial episode. And uh, before then, if you have anything that you want to share with us, we've got uh, several different ways that you can get in touch with us. We are our website where you can find all the different ways to reach out to us. And that would be either email, voicemail, Twitter, all those different places is 30podcast.com. That's our official website. Uh, We are on Twitter, like I said, at 30podcast. We are on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash 30podcast. You can also find us on Stitcher and Satchel and the Google Play Podcasts and iTunes, and you can just listen to us directly from 30podcasts.com. And uh, so if you've got anything you want to say about movie music, that one is coming up next week, so you've still got some time to get your feedback in there. Uh, If you want to give us a call, you can leave a voicemail for us, uh, what we've affectionately referred to as the love line. Feel free to call the love line and uh, let us know about all of your uh, cinematic musical queries. Um, but uh, yeah, that'll be next week. That'll be our big, uh, big 150th. So, and then coming up after that, um, we, have got, we have got some great movies coming up in the month of September. I can't even believe it's September. I was looking again at the calendar and realizing that I kind of got to get in gear when it comes to looking at the 2018 movies. So we've mm-hmm. got, uh, September is our sci-fi month, so obviously this one is the first of our sci-fi month uh, episodes. Uh, coming up in September, we've got Batteries Not Included. Yes. Which I believe is, is on Netflix now, isn't it? I don't know. I think it is. I think I just looked, and I think it's on Netflix. So, uh, so cool. if you want to take a look at that one before we do that one in a couple of weeks, uh, Batteries Not Included. And then Inner Space. I love that movie. That is love an awesome movie. movie. 
Uh, and then coming up later is Predator, uh, oh, which I know, I, I, I absolutely know, and you can tell I'm being sarcastic, will, my wife is going to be absolutely excited about watching that with me because that is one of her favorite movies. Mm. <laughs> Not at mm. all. Um, and then finally, to end the month out, um, I don't know if this should fall into the comedy or sci-fi section, but we'll be doing Superman for the Quest for Peace. And I was, um, I'm busy that night. You're busy that night? Okay. I don't know. That's not the one with the robot, is it? Richard Pryor and the robot and no, all that? No, that's Superman that's 3. Great. Yeah, and that's oh. an awesome one too. But um, no, this one, I was kind of going back and forth because the... Um, my wife just texted me. They won't believe you that I like Predator. Um, so it, the Superman well, at least 4. she's listening. She is. Well, because I'm old house. You can hear everything through the vents. Um, Fair enough. You know, it's, our, it's our communication system. We can't afford an intercom, so we just yell through the vents. There um, you go. Yeah, Superman <laughs> 4. I also was going to try to find the uh, Bollywood Superman, which also came out in 1987. And I was kind of, I was kind of going back and forth. I know I was kind of going back and forth on, do I try to do the two of those together, or is the Bollywood one better than Superman four? And I'm not sure. Might have a, might have a higher production value. That is true. So, I don't know. But that'll be at the end of the month. So, so Jeff, you're skipping out on that one. I, I don't know if I can bring myself to watch that again. (laughs) You know what? As much as I love the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. I did. I think that one came on Netflix a couple years ago. And I think while I was grading some essays late at night, I decided, Hey, you know what? I'll just put this on while I'm grading. And I think I switched it off a little ways into it. Cause it just was, it was so bad that it was distracting me from getting my work done. Wow. You, you started like every kid started getting an F or something like that. On their essay. Yeah. I think I just started getting angry. Say at that point they probably all started getting A's. Well, yeah. So okay, well I mean that'll be that'll be an interesting one. We can talk about all of the uh, the uh, amazing things that were done with that Superman movie, which then is uh, we can throw that into our category of some of the other ones we've done with the canon films, and uh, what those guys did, uh, good or bad or or horrible, with very low budgets, because um, that is a canon film. That's when they got the rights to that and. Um, decided to make Superman 4. So, yeah. So that'll be the end of the month. So if you want to get ahead on some of those, Batteries Not Included, like I said, I believe is on Netflix right now. Uh, Inner Space, I don't know if it's on Netflix. Uh, I'm sure it's probably out there somewhere, easy to find. Uh, Predator, usually very easy to find too, wherever you're looking for it. And then Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, will finish out our month of September. Um, But in the meantime, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. Go watch Spaceballs if you haven't seen Spaceballs, and then you can get on over to those other uh, sci-fi movies we're going to be doing. But uh, or if you have seen Spaceballs, go watch it again. Watch it again. Yeah. Or or any of the other movies: Young Frankenstein, History of the World Part One, uh, Blazing Saddles, uh, Men in Tights. Any of those. Go watch any of them. Tight tights. Mm-hmm. Tights. Worked in Blazing Saddles. All right. So uh, that's going to do it for us tonight, and uh, we will see you all later. Bye. Bye. Dear me, what are those things coming out of her nose? Hey, hey, watch my helmet. Ah, 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 ah. Oh, oh.
Spaceballs? Oh, sh**. There goes the planet.